Jesus is the word of God which spoke all of creation into existence. On some level, even subconsciously, I'd guess that throughout his life, Jesus began to have some inkling of who he was. And so I wonder if with this encounter that he had with his disciples on the boat, Jesus might have forgotten for a minute that humans don't usually walk on water all that well. He was tired. It had been a long day. He'd gone away by himself to pray after learning that his cousin, John the Baptist, had been beheaded. And when he got to the place, the lonely place that he wanted to go to, to pray, instead of being by himself, he ended up seeing this huge crowd there. And so he taught and multiplied food for somewhere around 10,000 people, if we include the women and children. And finally, after all of that, he then sent his disciples back across the sea in their boat while he got to spend a little time alone with his father in prayer. So worn out, dog tired, Jesus spent this time in prayer. And I think he might have been so caught up in that time spent with his father that he completely forgot that people aren't really that adept at walking on things which aren't solid. And so like Superman forgetting to put his glasses back on before going to the dinner party after saving Lois, Jesus just starts walking out on the sea towards the disciples. And why not? Why shouldn't he? walk out on the water. He made the sea, after all. So he's walking out on the water, lost in thought, barely aware of his surroundings. And eventually the storm comes and he thinks, eh, I've made worse. And then the disciples see him and they're terrified and he realizes what's going on. And he covers up as best he can saying, okay guys, I know this looks weird, but... I'm not a ghost. It's okay. It's just I. It's Jesus. And then Peter kind of like, thankfully, that calms him a bit. And then Peter's like, cool, Jesus, can I come out and play? Perfect. Yes, of course, Peter, come on out. And then we all know what happens. Peter walks on the water for a little while until he notices the wind and the waves. And like Wiley Coyote walking off a cliff until... He sees that he's walking on air. He starts to sink. And so Jesus picks him up and they both get into the boat and he decides he's had enough of the windstorm. He dials that down a bit. And then he tries to pass the whole thing off real nonchalant like saying, so guys, what's been going on? They start to get the idea pretty quickly. That Jesus is more than a prophet, but the Lord of all creation, which spoke all of creation into existence. And I'm guessing they were pretty darn excited by that. It says they were amazed at this, at the wonder of it all. I get really excited when I think about God who spoke creation into existence, becoming human and walking on this earth as one of us. God was human. I love this. He walked on this very earth. And whenever I start to take the world for granted, then that idea of God walking on this earth reminds me and makes the whole creation hallowed once again. And then we get people treating creation like it's garbage. 
We get people like the angry mob in Charlottesville, Virginia over the weekend deciding that only some parts of creation are hallowed. Only some types of people are hallowed. Contra scripture, or rather contra what they say, scripture says that all people are made in God's image, not just some. All of creation is hallowed, and yet, despite the beauty and sacredness of all people and all creation, people will and all too often do desanctify creation. Driving a car into a group of people, killing someone for thinking that racism isn't a particularly good idea. Imagine those folks, white supremacist neo-Nazis, holding a rally within these walls, here at Emmanuel, in this church, declaring most of humanity damned. Imagine people coming here with shields and sticks and guns, ready and willing to physically harm anyone who disagrees with them. And then imagine others who do disagree coming here, And being beaten and killed. That's exactly what happened in Charlottesville. Because in God's eyes, all creation is hallowed. All space is sacred space. Everywhere Jesus looks and says, I remember making this place. I remember speaking this place into existence. And I love this place. And the same goes for every person on earth. Even the angry mob of people who assume that God hates most of the people he created. Hatred and violence, shame and anger, assuming one type of person is better than another type of person. Jesus was pretty darn clear that we are all the same in God's eyes. Jesus was pretty darn clear that he loves all people and he loves all of this beautiful earth which he created. And he was also pretty darn clear that as much as he loves all people, there is no place in his kingdom for the kinds of thoughts and actions demonstrated by the angry mob of white supremacists in Charlottesville. Now, if we're honest with ourselves, we have anger and hatred and violence within us, too. Everyone does. The question is what we do with it. And what Jesus calls us to do and teaches us to do with our hatred and our anger and our violence is not to act it out, not to act upon it, but rather to give it to him, to place it at the feet of the cross so that he can transform it into love. And yet that is often not done, and we have a world that is full of hatred and anger and violence, as well as love. So what are we to do amidst hatred and anger and violence when we see it? Well, let's call the hatred, anger, and violence storms, wind, and waves. What are we to do in the storms and the wind and the waves? We do what Peter did. Amidst the waves and the storms, we look up and we see Jesus walking on water right in the middle of the anger and the hatred and the violence. Right in the middle of the storm, we see Jesus coming to us. And rather than asking for Jesus, hey, would you come here to this boat? Rather than waiting for him to get to us, 
we ask Jesus to summon us out into the waves and the storms. We summon Jesus to ask us out into the hatred and anger and violence. And then like Peter did, we step out of the sanctuary and we risk drowning in order to go and be with Jesus in the midst of the storms and the waves. We risk drowning, going out into the anger and hatred and violence to be the light of Jesus within the storms. And sometimes we're not even entirely sure what we're going to do when we get there. We want to bring the light of Jesus with us. We want to live out the way and the truth and the life that is Jesus amidst the storms and the waves. And it's darn scary. We just may be killed if we go out amidst the storms and the waves. Our 32-year-old woman was killed in Charlottesville by a man who drove his car into a group of people who had stepped out of the boat amidst the storm of anger and hatred and violence to declare that those things have no place in this world. This woman risked her life and gave her life to witness to love rather than hatred. That's what we call a martyr, a witness. I don't know if she was Christian. I know that she was there amidst the storm declaring the light of love for all and not just some. She gave her life for that witness, and that is martyrdom. Stepping out amidst the storms and waves of anger and hatred and violence we will also risk. We will risk drowning. We will risk our lives and risk our well-being to be the light of Jesus amidst the darkness of anger and hatred and violence. When Peter started to sink, Jesus reached down and picked him up. And I'd like to say that means that so long as we trust in Jesus, then we're going to be fine. A guarantee that we won't be harmed, but that simply isn't true. Peter began sinking because he became overcome with fear of the storms and the waves. The call to Jesus keeps us from being overcome with fear, keeps us from succumbing to the anger and the hatred and the violence ourselves. The call to Jesus doesn't guarantee that we won't be harmed. The call to Jesus keeps our hearts from falling into anger and hatred and violence ourselves. The call to Jesus keeps the darkness from overcoming the light of Jesus within us. Truly to be the light of Jesus amidst the darkness of anger and hatred and violence, we truly do need to risk drowning. To risk not only our lives and our well-being, but also to risk being overcome by the darkness. And in all likelihood, we will, at times, be overcome by the darkness. And in those times, when we start to sink, we call out to Jesus to save us, to reach his hand in and pull us out of the storms and waves and put us back into the boat, back into the sanctuary. 
And then once we've recovered, we stepped out of the boat again amidst the storm and the waves once again to risk our lives and our well-being to be the light of Jesus amidst the darkness of hatred and anger and violence once again. Risk is part of the deal to live as Jesus' disciples. We've got to risk drowning to walk out on the water with Jesus. And we also need to be able to see the beauty and sacredness of people and creation all around us when we do. Even as we step out into storms and waves, we know that they are there But we don't focus entirely on the storms and the waves. We don't become daunted and overcome by the darkness. Instead, we keep our eyes on Jesus like Peter did. And like Peter stepping out of that boat, we see the magic, the possibility, the wonder of walking on water with Jesus. Imagine that magic. Imagine that possibility and the wonder of asking Jesus if you can come out and play too. And Jesus saying, yes.